Welcome to another episode of Back of the Grid. Uh, this week we are here to probably end up talking Le Mans more than Formula One. Uh, but I am your host, Tom King, and I'm joined as ever by Chris Evans. Hello. And Stu Greenwood. Hello. So yeah, I think that's that's going to be the main talking point for this week, isn't it? We will look so. ahead to something else in France a little later in the show, I guess. But <laughs> we might as well start with it, haven't we? Because it is the talking point of the weekend. Absolutely. So yeah, unless you were living under a rock, you probably know that Fernando Alonso and obviously his teammates won the uh, Le Mans 24 hours this weekend. Um, finally a win for Toyota as well. Breaking the curse. Time. <laughs> Breaking the curse against zero competition. Yeah, yeah, although I've seen some people saying that and if you look back at the last few years when Toyota have failed to win it, more often than not... It's not been because the competitors beat them. It's because the race has beaten them. Like the first thing you've got to do at Le Mans is just finish the damn thing because it's well, such a yeah. challenge. So, exactly. you know, the fact they've managed to do like they their biggest competitor was still there, and that is the track and the amount of time that you're on it. So, <clears throat> although they didn't necessarily have any real competition pushing them that hard, it's still like yeah. an That's achievement <clears throat> in itself. You- you have pre-countered my argument. <laughs> um, when there's no competition pushing you, you are your car is not going to break as easily. So that's true. Yeah, I I struggle to um, uh, subscribe to that to that view. But having said that, it's obviously it's a massive achievement, and and for the drivers as well, it was a really really tight fight for both teams into both cars in terms of the drivers. So yeah absolutely well earned on the driver's side but I think on a team side for me it feels a, a bit empty it don't feel quite like it uh, you, I mean there's no denying if they'd if they'd beaten Porsche or if they'd beaten Audi then this would be a much bigger win yeah I mean I, I think for me like if this had been Porsche or Audi left over and they'd won in this fashion then nah but the fact that like Toyota yeah. have some come so close like heartbreakingly so so many times it is just really nice to see them finally get that win yeah um, it's a it is a good thing it's a, it's a positive thing yeah. yeah and like you say they still had a decent race between the two of them i mean there were like <clears throat> on track overtakes for the lead which is you know good when it was essentially a two-car race for the win yeah absolutely yeah. and it breaks Alonso's curse of moving to teams that then have something go wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, helps there, that. There, there were a few scares, weren't they, going through the race for Alonso? Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was that one safety car restart when it was just like half the field were down one straight <sighs> and the sort of the two hours were nose to tail going through the traffic and Alonso just got squeezed by a Ford GT and sort of yeah. dipped a wheel into the dirt which was a, a little scary. Yeah. Um, then obviously Buemi uh, picked up a 60-second penalty for speeding on, in a slow zone, which actually put their car behind the sister car. And then Alonso did like a, a quadruple night stint um, and made up like half a minute or something. Um, yeah, I think it was more than that. It's, it's I think it might have been, yeah. Closer to it, a minute. Yeah, he had, he had an in, extremely impressive night stint. Extremely did you hear impressive. the... Did you hear the bit of classic Alonso radio as well during the night? I didn't. Um, he said, tell me if you want another stint. I've got the rhythm of the night, which yeah. I enjoyed. Oh, <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> what, what impressed me about his performance there, though, is things like cars sitting in the garage during rain but Alonso preferring to be like one of the only cars out there doing laps because yeah. he wants to experience that car on that track in changing conditions. Like he he has got to be one of the most thorough and well-prepared drivers. Like the, the preparation he did for um, IndyCar when he went to go do the Indy 500, the, the fact that he went to Daytona when he... You know, he didn't realistically have a chance at Daytona, but he no. did that to get some 
endurance experience under his yeah. belt in a competitive yeah. environment before entering the WEC and stuff. Just little things like that just go to show yeah. how professional and how thorough he actually is. And it's why he, he deserves something like this, to be completely yeah. honest with you. He is he is going to go down in history as like the pro of this generation, isn't he? Like the yeah. truest, the most complete driver. Yeah, certainly the most adaptable driver. Like he seems to be able to just turn his hand to absolutely anything. Yeah, and it's not just you know he, he wasn't just good; he was brilliant. Yeah, like, like let's... you know, as much as it's a team effort, like, and it'd be easy to say, oh well, you know, he turned up and got in the best car, and sort of his teammates helped him coast to win. Mm. But like, he was on the pace of like all five other drivers across the two cars, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and and it's a it's a series where mistakes make a big difference like you saw mm. uh, Jose Mario Lopez and, and I think I can't remember if he was both spins or not but there were at least two spins in the sister car mm. um, that and you know like costing 30 veteran. seconds exactly yeah and it's costing like 30 seconds plus a time that which when you're racing against your team um, your sister car it's, it's a big thing to yeah. be given away isn't yeah. it? So. When, it when, when they're that competitive when the times when the margins are so fit fine then yeah if you're giving away those those, uh, those precious seconds due to mistakes then you, yeah. you're you not going to do very well um, and it was also nice to see uh, Nakajima get the last stint to bring it home when he was the one who yeah. was driving the car that broke down uh, yes. a lap from victory a year or two yeah. ago You'd almost yeah. be nervous to put him in it to bring it home. Yeah. That, you know, like maybe he's carrying the curse. <laughs> yeah. Alonso, Alonso just looked in pieces watching, like just seeing him watching the last like yeah. 15 minutes of that race. Alonso just looked like explode any minute from the tension. <laughs> I, f- I think you said it, Chris, when you, uh, you messaged us both and said there can't be another sport that sh- has more people being emotional at the end no. of it. Yeah. Like, you can't even begin to imagine the release of emotion when you get to the end of 24 hours of racing like yeah and it's these days as well it's not just you know it's not like it's not like endurance racing used to be where it's keep the car alive this is sprint racing from for yeah, 24 hours yeah flat out yeah they're not then you know they're not really trying to say the, the front runners are not trying to save the car they are pushing 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 to the end which um, Kobayashi uh, got uh, caught out on when he forgot to yeah. pit and he hadn't got enough fuel to make an extra yeah. pit stop. Yeah, um, cause a penalty. And then got a penalty. Caused a penalty by using yeah, too I much. Mean, yeah. Well, people moan about the penalties in Formula 1. He missed his pit stop to have to do an extra lap. Um, so he had to turn the engine down and basically go on electric power for most of the lap. So he got a penalty for using more fuel in a stint than he was allowed. Then another penalty for doing one more lap in a stint than you're allowed. Even though by doing that, he had to do half a lap at like 80 kilometers an hour yeah, yeah. and already lost a ton of time. The penalties are very interesting. In one. I mean, we've just found out a day after it finished, that, more than 24 hours after it finished, that the LMP2 winners have been disqualified. Yeah. Like that, that just turned up in the news out of the blue. Yeah, that's um, pretty shocking. That one. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll just get to that. There was there was a, another penalty that I wanted to talk about, which was Alonso, the ridiculous, um, which oh, the God. commentators absolutely loved banging on about for like <laughs> even like eight hours later, they're still going on about it. And this was Alonso overshot, I think, his pit box. No, no, no. It was, it was, no. Buemi had pulled into the pit box absolutely fine, got out, Alonso had got in. What had happened is, I think it was a GT in front of them had come in to pit. And because of how, obviously, how many boxes there are down that lane, they're really, really tight. So he didn't have the angle to get the car out while this GT was in front of him. So he needed pushing backwards a little bit to be able to get the angle to get out and around it. I see. It wasn't anything to do with overshooting or anything like that. Okay, right. I under ah, I understand. I wondered why that. Yeah, because it seemed so. So, but did he pull forward to come out of the box no. and then realize I'm not going to get out? Nope. He was sat there and they gave him a little push, and that was it. Oh right. Well, that's nothing. But the the but reason so, so there's a whole hoo ha because you're not allowed to engage reverse gear. In exactly. The but is, is the is the is the written the rule. the reason that it, I think it was causing so much fuss is because on the live feed. It was an internal shot of the car of Alonso at the wheel. And then the next thing you saw 
<clears throat> was an external shot and he was backwards from the pit box and pulling away. So it looked, mm. for all intents and purposes, so like, like he'd reversed. reversed. But then there's other footage from a camera in the pit lane that's been seen since, where it's very clear that two or three uh, of the pit crew yeah. get up on the yeah. car and just give it a little bit of a push to help him get around. Yeah. There's literally a gang of blokes around the car yeah. pushing the, bloke, the car and back. It shows that he needed the pushback because as he comes out, he still nearly clips one of the guys yeah. changing yeah. the wheel on the GT car in front of him. He's really close to him. So it just shows how tight it must have been in the first place if they pushed him back and he still came that close to them. You talk about like safety in F1 pit lanes. Like you've got 60 cars coming yeah. in out of the pits at Le Mans. Like how more things like that don't happen, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a sight to behold. Actually, the Le Mans it's pit incredible. lane, isn't it? Because yeah. there's so many different classes of cars in there as well, and they you don't really. I mean, from my memory, I don't. I've I've been enjoying Le Mans for quite a few years now, and I don't recall it ever seeing a really dangerous no. incident in the pit lane. I suppose the difference is they're not making pit stops as fast as they are in Formula 1. Yeah, it's like 30 or 40 seconds rather than Yeah, there's, there's an element yeah, not, of, not, I wouldn't say it's, I don't know, it, they're still under a lot of pressure to get things done within a time, but you've got a little bit more leeway because of the fact that you've got driver changes and things going on and you've yeah. got a fixed refuel happening, so there's you know, yeah. it takes X number of seconds to put X number of litres in the car. So things like the wheel changes don't it's feel that. as rushed because you know you've got that time. So they can be a little bit more yeah. methodical and a little bit more, you know, precise with things, I guess. And obviously there's a lot less people working on the car. Yes. Yeah. There's a there's a rule that I think it's no no more than two people can be within inside the box with the car at the same time. I think that's the rule. Yeah. Something um, like that. Correct. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I can't remember the exact Certainly rule. Not many. But you're definitely looking at only like one see... guy per wheel. I think usually. Yeah, that's where you see two blokes running round with the, the wheel gun, running yeah. around the car, changing the wheels. And the drivers take their own seat with them. Yeah. yeah. So I think it's no more than two blokes are allowed to service the car at once, and um, you can, but you can still have a guy like cleaning the windscreen. Yeah. And driver changes assistance can still occur as well, but in terms of the main service of the car into like changing the tires mm. um it's just two guys because yeah. I, I imagine it makes sense because if you've got that many yeah. cars in the pit lane and you've got like 20 people around a car like formula one then obviously that's just a recipe for disaster isn't it yeah plus some of those mechanics are going to need to sleep at some point you can't have Absolutely. your full pit crew on every single pit stop yeah yeah oh that occurred to me that yeah i also like alonzo said like when he was when he'd done his final stint and he was trying to just kind of like didn't know what to do with himself while he was watching Nakajima doing the final stint. He said like he was up on the pit wall and he was in the garage and he was watching the race on TV then he went elsewhere and in the end he just settled on sitting at the back watching the Moto GP. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what I enjoyed was um, their little fitness regime at Toyota. I think it was at Toyota uh, first thing in the morning just to, to keep themselves active and awake where they were all doing like little stretches and little, and then it just kept going to <laughs> random cameramen around the circuit doing the same thing. I was like, what are we watching? <laughs> yeah. Mr. Motivator's Le Mans yeah. workout. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did also want to mention before we move on, I think it would be a shame to forget um, Anthony Davidson in all this because um, he <laughs> essentially got turfed out yeah. of the team yeah. to make space for Alonso. But like... He's been for a number of years, like obviously he drove for Peugeot for a while, but he's been such a big part of building that Toyota team to where they are. And he was part of at least one year, part of the, one of the teams that came like oh so close to winning it. So it's a shame for him that he's sort of seeing someone else getting the rewards for a lot of the work he's putting over the years. But uh, mm. yeah, I just wanted to mention his name at least. Yeah. And uh, we should talk about the LMP2s as well, because I rudely interrupted that one. Yeah, well... Yeah, so it was originally the... Oh, you're testing me now, I wasn't prepared G-Drive. Um, <laughs> yeah, the G-Drive of uh, Jean-Eric Verne and co. Uh, can't remember the two drivers' names. Um, and somebody else. Can't remember the third yes, driver. Um, but yeah, it's just come to light that um, they've been disqualified for fitting an illegal part on the um, refueling rig, which yeah. it looks like would have increased the fuel flow. And, uh, oh, 
Which is, well, it just said it, it would have helped speed up their pit stop, so it's almost certainly going to be a fuel. Yeah, float. I think the reason it's taken a while to, to become official is because, obviously, G-Drive had protested the, the ruling um, on the basis that of different different yeah. things. It, it, I think it's got quite technically complicated, but they were trying to protest that, you know, there wasn't anything illegal about it, but then it doesn't confer with certain technical drawings submitted. And I think it's it's a little bit it sounds a little bit like one of those paperwork issues where you have to submit you have to <laughs> submit something and if what is on your car then doesn't yeah. match what you've submitted, it's illegal. Whether whether it breaks a rule or not, because you've not submitted something um it breaks a rule. It's too fresh news for me to know that for sure. But reading up on it a few minutes ago, it did sound like that was kind of what was going on. But I yeah. don't know. Yeah, it, it definitely sounds more like that. That I'm just reading yeah. up on that now, and it looks as though it's uh, it does look like a paperwork issue to me. But I mean, who can say? That's that's sort of breaking news. That breaking news. I'm on back of the grid yeah. podcast. That's our first breaking news. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there was also penalties for the two Ford GTs who, again, another silly one, they both had one of their drivers not complete the minimum amount of time in a car. Wow. Um, oh, wow. Uh, it did make a massive difference to the results, I don't think, in the end. Um, they lost fourth place, I think, out of yeah. that. Um, but again, over the space of 24 hours, you're going to make mistakes, I suppose. What is the That's, minimum drive time then? I think it's at least six hours per driver in the car. Oh, wow. So Kanan finished five hours and 16 minutes. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. even close. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a long that's a long way down. It doesn't say where the uh, other one was. It's funny that it's an interesting one because if you were banging in really, really, really fast laps, then obviously that's going to reduce the amount of time <clears throat> that you're in the car, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it depends on if you're working. It's a bit of a strange rule, that. It's, it's weird, I guess, because you're working in time rather than laps, aren't you, in terms... Of, because the car's yeah. fueled on laps, I guess, not time. So at some point, you are going to have to come in, which means that you then generally would swap drivers, true, but, but you'd if, just do another stint, surely. Well, the thing is, if surely if you post a faster time, you'll use more fuel. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, true. It'd be interesting to know how they work it out to have made such a monumental yeah. mess of it. Yeah. <laughs> Would be interesting to know, but none of us do. <laughs> so, so shall we move yeah, on? I guess. Uh, yeah, I guess just mentioned the last couple of drivers. Um, there was only actually four LMP1 cars finish, the two Toyotas and the two mm-hmm. Rebellions. Uh, Jensen Button's car had a technical issue really early on. Um, <clears throat> they lost something stupid like 40 laps before they got going yeah. again, so... Their race was over before Jen's team got in the car. Uh, they did get going again. In the end, he they were the they did retire towards the end. They were the last of the retirements. Um, Paul DeResta had a pretty massive crash towards the end as well. <clears throat> um, they were in contention for the LMP2 podium, but uh, yeah, he just admitted that he just made a mistake through the Porsche curves and he managed to hit. He managed to like miss a tire barrier by about six foot and hit a concrete wall, which uh, put an end. Juan to that Pablo car. Montoya had a little just bit a of a moment as well, didn't he? But they, theirs was recoverable because because of the penalties elsewhere, I'm pretty sure that they ended up with third place in their class, I think. Yes, they have. Yeah, Montoya's inherited uh, LMP2 third yeah. place, I believe. So, very interesting race to go watch the highlights for if you haven't seen them, though. Uh, some very good races, yeah. especially in the um, GT Pros. Some really good racing early on in that yeah, race. some great racing in that. Yeah. Mainly between Porsches, but um, yeah. Well, yeah. the Porsche, and the, there was a really, really interesting, a bit of a ding dong between the Porsche and the uh, yes, Ford was. GT as well. I don't know about you guys, but I do love watching that Ford GT go. <laughs> I love that car so much. It's we've said this last year. It is the loudest car yeah. Yeah. you have ever heard. At risk of stereotyping, the two American cars in the GT class, the uh, yeah. Corvette and the GT, are the <laughs> loudest things. <laughs> but yeah, they were racing the Porsches, as you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were having a great race. Is there anything else anyone wants to add to that? I'm, I'm leading you not, in. You just, uh, not we already me. said it. 
Sorry. It was great. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was fantastic. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So Th- this this is me desperately trying to catch up with the weekend's motor racing and <laughs> do a podcast at the same time. <laughs> it's not easy. So um, Alonso now only needs one piece for the triple crown. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's it, it's it's the well. I was gonna say it's the big question now. I don't think it is. Like I've I've said a few podcast this season that I think we're watching Alonso's last season. I am now certain that we are watching Alonso's last season of Formula One. I yeah, well, I, I said it myself last week that I think that if he'd won this race, it's highly likely we will see him in IndyCar next year to get... Because for the same reason that he went and did things like Daytona and he's doing the full WEC season, I think that was partly because he maybe wasn't putting his eggs in one basket of winning the Le Mans this year and the year of experience leading into next year's Le Mans at the end of the super season was maybe what he actually had his eyes set on, is, is winning that one. Yeah. But, you know, he's going to get a year of experience in the WEC. They've, they've won both races so far, so he's at the top of the table. You know, mm. he could come out of this year with a WEC championship overall. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, and don't forget, Le Mans is worth double points yeah. as well, so he's now got that car's got a healthy lead in the uh, points now. I think yeah. he odds are that he will end up being WEC champion this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I, you know what? I think he's going to go one better than the triple gra- crown. I think he's going to properly. He, he's going to be a world champion in all three top that, tiers. Of that would sport. be impressive. That would be impressive. Yeah, that's that, that's the only. I was thinking about this the other day, and really, I can't think of a way of beating the triple crown other than being champion in all well, three he's... categories. Well, he's got two Monaco wins. He's already got one Le Mans. He's got another chance at Le Mans this season. So he could go for like a, a triple yeah, double. Yeah, triple maybe. double. A, 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 yeah, a, no, it'd be a double, triple a, crown, wouldn't it? Yeah. A double, I'm, triple crown. I'm trying to think what else you've you've got that's kind of considered that kind of thing. And he's won, the only, has, like, has he won Macau? Has he won the Macau Grand Prix? That's a good question. Dad needs some Googling. We need to find this it. out. <laughs> you Google while we talk. <laughs> yeah, you two talk. I'll do it. Uh, right. Well, yeah, it's there's that. And short of switching to a sport that's not four wheels, he might struggle for something that's got that esteem to it, I guess. The only sort of other big ones are things like, um, I mean, there's the Bathurst, 1,000 yeah. kilometers, which is... It's not on the same level. It's a pretty big deal. There's um like Pikes Peak, which is a very different uh, yeah. discipline. WRC, like Paris Dakar Rally. <laughs> yeah, <Something like laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like the t- the two things that have always been considered impressive are winning on bikes and cars, um, and then mm-hmm. winning the three sort of let's call them the pin the three pinnacles of car racing which is your Le Mans your Monaco and your Indy 500 and I think that's just partly because of how long those things have all been around as well yeah Mm. Um, I can confirm he has never even entered the Macau as far as I can see Uh, he his career according to Wikipedia the reliable source of information (laughs) that we all use um his racing record begins in 1999, Euro Open by Nissan. He raced for Campos Motorsport Campos. in an open-wheel category. Wow. wow. Um, and then from there, in 2000, he went to Formula 3000, which would have been, uh, what, FIA F2? Um, is that right? Turned into 3000 GP2. is a bit lower than that. I think it's more like GP3. Oh, is it like GP3? I think so. So he went from there to Formula 1, straight to Formula 1, to Minardi. As yeah. we all know, and then on. To See, Renault. people talk about Verstappen like jumping levels. Alonso was at <laughs> it years ago. Now, I just want to fact check uh, Formula Three Thousand because I'm not 100 percent sure we're correct on that. Um, no, you're right. Step, Operating the tier. Yeah, it's F2. It's F2. It was F2. Yeah. Okay, I yeah. take it back. Yeah. Um, I, I, we had to check that one <laughs> just because <laughs> it's it's an important one. <clears throat> um, but yeah, all that being said, I think he's going to move full-time to IndyCar I wouldn't year. be surprised, and to be honest, I'd quite like to see it. I would. I, I'm <clears throat> absolutely with you, Tom. We've, both, you know, we've all said it. Like It's going like to happen. It, it will be 
a monumental loss for Formula One. Like he is it, it such will. an absolute. He's, he's like, you know, he's not won a race. He's not. I think it's a hundred races now since he last won or something like that. Um, he's only got two world championships in there a long time ago now, but he's still like the star man in Formula One. Like, arguably more so than Hamilton, Vettel, Verstappen. Can I make a huge statement at this Do point? It. Go on. Fernando Alonso has transcended Formula One. <laughs> he, fact, I mean, he, is, he is bigger than Formula One at this point, I would say. The, the, the thing is, as much as it is a loss to the sport, at this moment in time, sat in that McLaren that is not competitive, he is a wasted talent. He is yeah, wasted completely. in that car. And unfortunately, because of the way that the teams are either set up or his his history with the teams, none of the ones that are capable of providing him with a championship in the near future are going to give him a drive, either because of his history with them or, like I say, just because it's like your Red Bulls of this world that aren't really going to take him on when yeah. they've got a driver programme in place. It, you mm. know, They're not going to circumvent that, I don't think, even for an Alonso. I think, um, I think he needs to go knock on Mercedes' door and say, this is it, last chance. And if they say yeah. no, then just tell IndyCar teams to come and get him because like, they're all going to want him. Yeah, I, th- I think that is probably the only thing that could change it because yeah. I can't see Ferrari ha- wanting him back, let alone having him back if um, they've got Seb and the Red Bull's not quite there to obviously put the fight up throughout mm-hmm. a season. And you know, Ricardo and Max are going to pick up good points and good results through a season You know, based on their skill which Alonso would be able to bring but I don't think the car is good enough to be consistently bringing home enough points to win anybody anything at the yep. moment um, so. but yeah I I really think we've got we've got 14 more races of seeing Alonso in a Formula 1 car Yeah. so I think we should make the most of him still being an F1 car um, and then hope he goes on to bigger and better things I think because like you say he that talent should be racing at the front of something, not scraping yeah, for, sure. for like bottom of the table points. Yeah, I, I, I think if if he hasn't transcended Formula One, he's certainly transcended transcended McLaren. Yeah, um, they. I've nothing really to add, to be honest. You've said it all. Like it's 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 a real shame. Um, I'd love to see him in a fast car fighting for championships, wheel to wheel with the best, because he's clearly showing that he's got what it takes to beat the best or at least fight with the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he's just not getting the equipment that he needs to do that. And it's a crying shame. Yeah, it really is. Definitely. Um, do you think that any of the changes coming in for next year would <clears throat> make him at least contemplate staying with McLaren for those changes to see how the car is post those changes i mean he'd need the confidence in mclaren to deliver something based on those changes and yeah based on the last few years this year especially when they've actually got a decent engine like i don't think i have any confidence in mclaren to <laughs> make any big steps up anytime soon no I they've basically said themselves it's going to be 2021 before they start winning anything well yeah that that yeah. is very true they've they've practically said that you know even the upcoming changes aren't going to do them any favours, yeah. I think. So, yeah, that is a fair um, point. Yeah, that they're just that. I mean, the car this year. I was I was talking about this with uh, some people the other day. The car just is so. It's you can see just by looking at it, it's absolutely covered in aerodynamic compromises. There's no flow mm. to it. Yeah. Um, just look, if you look at that nose cone. <laughs> I mean, it's got it's like three nose cones in one. It's like a pitchfork almost. There's, it looks weird. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different design elements going on, isn't there? That are I don't know if they they probably don't work in harmony. There's that much going on. Yeah, with it. it smacks. It smacks. It to me, it smacks of a car that they are throwing the spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They're not. It doesn't. It's not a cohesive-looking Formula One car. When you compare that to the sleek Mercedes or Red Bull, or even you know the Ferrari looks looks sleek as well. Tiny, yeah. tiny side pods on the Ferrari, and and to mm. be fair, tiny side pods on the McLaren, but they're just not. It's got a blooming hole in the engine cover to let heat out. For goodness sake, yeah. <laughs> like, you're not going to win races with holes in the top of your engine cover, are you? 
it's it's like you're saying though with the nose coming just coming back to that briefly you've got like three different principles where that are all in use where most teams are using one of those realistically so you've got like those sort of vacuum cleaner attachment noses like what the red bull has but then you've got the um the sort of fence down the side that I, I think the McLaren had in it last year from memory. Yeah. They had uh, something similar as well as other teams. Yeah. And then you've got like the the two long vein type things up the side, which is yet another component. And like I say, I just can't see how, whenever the team's got one of those, I can't see how all three at once are beneficial because they're all going to be doing different things to that airflow. Absolutely. The good news, or maybe the bad news for, well, certainly the good news for anyone who likes an attractive looking car, the bad news for McLaren is that the aerodynamic regulations are all changing next year. Yes. Mm. Yes. Um, nice segue. Nice. It is. I was trying to segue initially by asking the question, yeah. but we got too sidetracked by the question. Yeah. <laughs> Segway is my middle name. Yeah. So uh, to kind of cover as best we can, I think, what is changing and what it will mean. I guess the easiest thing to do is um, to just sort of work through what is changing across the car. Um, there's quite a good technical piece on the Formula One website itself that basically explains this as well. But um, if you don't like reading, you can listen to us. <laughs> it's a simple way That's to what we're here for. But starting at the front, one thing that is changing is that the front wing will basically be getting standardized end plates which take away um a lot of the components that are on the outside edge of the wings at the moment that direct car uh, sorry air around the car uh, meaning that it creates less of a wake for the car behind less of that dirty air effect as you hear a lot in commentary and things like that the things that make it harder for the cars behind to follow yeah and it's the things that sort of blast the air up exactly around and out of the way of the car and it those are effectively becoming outlawed and the the end plates are standardized and the idea is to encourage the aero teams to be getting the air to work under the car and create a ground effect which is interesting considering a number of number of years ago we had ground effect bands didn't we from like side skirts yeah. and things like that obviously that is a long time in the past but i think that in the element of bringing good racing back they're realizing that is the cleanest way to get an aerodynamic fast car that can race other cars yeah. and that's because it sucks the car to the ground rather than pushing it to the ground meaning the wake of the car in front affects the car behind a lot less because it's a different yeah. form of well it's suction rather than push and yeah and people probably wonder why they never went down that road in the first place in terms of diffusers and and using that method to create aerodynamic effect and the reason i think for that is is fear of speed i think yeah <laughs> in the end like they don't want them going too fast if they'd gone too far down that road to to sort of from when it was discovered to now you'd have ended up with drivers wearing g-suits man yeah yeah the the safety wasn't there in the era when this ground effect stuff was uh first really come into the forefront of the sport and the reason it was banned was partly like you say because of the the fear of the potential speed and the lack of safety to go with it i think was the the whole reason that we never saw it really develop and, and kind of get stomped out fairly quickly uh, but yeah a lot of things around the front like that are changing the brake ducts aren't going to be allowed as far forward and as extensive as they are at the minute obviously there'll be elements still for cooling but there's a lot of elements there at the moment which do exactly what Stu was talking about before which is kind of throw the air up and over the side pods or around the side of the car um and also through the wheels is another thing that's being outlawed as of 2019 which again would throw the air obviously out the side of the car yeah, this is this is actually a really interesting aerodynamic behavior that they use for the uh through the wheels so what happens is for, for those who aren't particularly familiar with what that what what tom's talking about they actually suck air through the brake drums through the, and obviously through the brake 
di- across the brake discs, and then it goes through the uh, the center of the wheel hub, and then out of the middle of the center, the middle of the wheel hub, and around the tire. Yeah. And what that does is that pushes more air around. It, it creates. It's a. It's a sort of. Um, it's a growing effect in a way. To put it simply, like the more air you've got coming out of that wheel hub the more effective the front wing is going to be and those elements that are pushing the air out around the car it sort of compounds that effect yeah um yeah and that's that's obviously bad for uh for, for the following car mm-hmm. although all that being said i would be surprised if the aerodynamicists hadn't already found a way of getting the vast majority of the aero performance back these changes are supposed they, to negate. They yeah. already have. According yeah. to Christian Horner, um, they've already got it back. Yeah. Which just shows you the, the, the power of yeah. the of the teams, really. How, the, the thinking power and the computing power that they can put into uh, designing their cars. Sadly, I don't think it's going to make a huge difference, unfortunately. I don't either. It's, I'm, I'm interested to see because what it does is it simplifies a lot of the areas that cause the whole it's difficult to follow argument and it it should make things better but whether it'll get them to where we want them is is a different matter but it, to me it's at least a step in the right direction like the reason that you see good close following racing in things like IndyCar and even things like F2 and GP3 the reason you see that is because the cars are much simpler and a little more standardized and i think if if formula one and the fia as a as a group and a committee can say we're going to standardize certain things to simplify them and try and create your high end aero effects in a different way it's at least going to go a step towards helping improve these things yeah that's true my issue my issue is that as long as you've got a car, I think aerodynamics on the whole are the problem. Yeah. In general, with 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 racing. So, the reason you see GT cars following each other super super close in Le Mans or in touring cars, you see, you know, you see them literally bumper to bumper, is because they don't need the air washing over them. Yeah. To go fast. No. So, I'm of the opinion that, and I've said this before on here, I think that the best thing for formula one would be to go back to literally the make a modern design of like a lotus 49 that these yeah. are like the cigar shaped cars that maybe at most have like a rear wing and not not really any underbody aerodynamics they're just perfectly smooth the cigar shaped car with open wheels um give them super super powerful engines hybrid powered engines so they're still still really really high tech Give them adaptive suspension if you need to to keep the speed up through the corners, and you know do it that way. Like don't really, yeah. and then they can follow each other closely because they're not rely. Everyone's on this, you know. Adaptive suspension doesn't need the air to be clean in order to work. It just needs the car to be used properly. Mm. Do you think we'd see the speeds and the lap times by going down that route though? Because is that not part of it for some? The fact that it should be the fastest and best variation of the sport like in in a lot of people's heads just to play devil's advocate here a formula one car should hold the lap record at any track realistically because it should be the fastest all right yeah there's going to be some tracks that aren't suitable for them but like round silverstone a formula one car should hold the lap record and would you risk sacrificing that in that, the aspect like what what's more important really i'm i guess i'm saying is that or close racing what is more important to people is probably what you've got to think, weigh up isn't it yeah i think the same people who are complaining about the lack of racing are the same there's a certain type of uh, of f1 fan that will see a problem with any yeah any new regulation yep. change and any any form of change at all and for a long time, they're the sort of fans I think that Formula One's feared the most, and because they kick up a right stink when anything changes, yeah. and they, for some reason they seem to listen to them. I think Formula One needs to be much more confident in in itself, 
and take much more of a lead in what it is and work out for itself what it is. Because I think right now, I, I, you know, I'm getting spiritual here, but right now, Formula <laughs> One don't really know what it is. Like, is it is it a big? Is it an aero dependent sport? Is mm. it an overtaking sport? Is it a time trial sport? Because right now, this season, Formula One is they're not racing; it's time trial this season, really. Yeah, it's not far off. Yeah, hmm. I, I, that's um, an extreme. It's an extreme point of view, obviously. No, I, I you mean kind no. of playing devil's advocate just for effect. But yeah, Liberty have a lot to do for the big 2021 rules. Yeah, I think that is obviously part of it as well. We Not only are we going through a transition in trying to find a a setup that works for the best of both worlds where you've got those ultimate top speeds but also decent racing, you've got a a brand in general that is finding its feet under new ownership and new leadership. So you've got, yet, like you say, you've got a lot of change and there's because there's so much change, there's probably more resistance, but come on, like things like logos and music and stuff that we've almost forgotten. I was watching an, a rerun yeah. of an old race um, last week and the old F1 logo and music came up the thing before the race started. And I'd kind of not look so dated. Yeah. Now. Not forgotten that it existed, but kind of, I sort of looked at it and thought, wow, what we've got now is actually so much yeah. better than that. Now that you're used to Do- it. Just just before we go down that road, I just wanted to present an, another argument against uh, Aero. Is I think the, the the brains you've got working in these Formula One teams, and and in terms of lap time, if lap time is the key thing, I don't think we would lose lap time. I think we've got enough engineers and enough yeah. smarts up and down the grid to they always find uh, a way. They'll find a way. They always yeah. find a way of getting yeah. it back. One way or another, they need. They really need to have a really, really good look at the at the rule book, at the regulations for the car, and and it needs a do over. Really, we're working on regulations that were designed for that. Some of the regulations are forty years old. Yeah, somehow it's absolutely crazy. It's yeah. two thousand eighteen, and we've got rules that were written in the seventies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's purists out there who'll say, "Oh well, it should it should be that way. It should be that way." But you know, look at football. Football have just introduced in the World Cup the video assistant referee. Oh, don't bring that up. That's that's a touchy. That's a touchy <laughs> point after tonight. <laughs> it, it is a it is a very touchy point. But if football can change, a, a, a luddite sport like football has been the same for goodness knows how long. Then and Formula One, you know, look at. Look at how, if you look at how Formula One cars have changed over the years. Yeah. Why not go down a new road? Why not make them hyper modern? Why not make a really, really the, make a make a car that looks amazing and goes really, really fast? Yeah. The problem is people are always nostalgic for the era that they grew up watching something like. Yeah, you'd you, it, nost- even though you, there's, there's no agreed on nostalgia. Era. Yeah, even though. Um, Stu's idea may be a solution and and maybe an older generation, as Chris points out, would get a nostalgia benefit from that. There'd probably be a lot of younger generations, Stu aside, that, yeah. <laughs> that would not be impressed and think it's a step backwards. It's it's, it's so difficult to please a fan that is... It but has such a broad... Ha- it has such a broad, like cross-section of fans you know there's fans from all over the world from all sorts of different backgrounds all sorts of different lifestyles and it's like people do say like obviously something like football's the biggest sport in the world but generally the consensus of football fans is more or less the same if that makes sense whereas the yeah, Formula One yeah. world, you've got some people where that's their only motorsport. You've got some people that, you know, maybe in the States and they'll take inspiration for things like IndyCar. You've got us over here that, you know, we're quite big on a lot of sports car racing and things like touring cars and WEC. Like, it's so many people have so many different backgrounds coming into this one sport that's considered to be the pinnacle that I think it just causes so much friction between people yeah. and opinions. There's- it's very difficult to get people to all point in the same yeah. direction, isn't yeah. it? Um, we're getting quite far on now. We um, are. Um, I, I'll, I'll mention the last couple of little bits that are changing for 2019, just so that we have covered them, and then we'll we'll 
I guess look at France. Um, yeah. So yeah, another ch- small change is that the barge boards are being lowered slightly to make them um, less effective at pushing air out sideways, but they're also being moved forwards to give them a better um, a better use of the air coming into the car. Again, aimed more at probably directing them directing things under the car rather than out is probably the idea there, and the rear wing is getting some changes not too dissimilar to the front wing um the end plates will be um standardized so that they can't have any of the gills and all the slits and things like that that you see them seeing them at the moment and the drs opening will be increased from 65 millimeters to 85 um, as well as the wing getting slightly wider although the measurements escape me right now but it's about (laughs) I want to say it's about 20 mil wider as well as 20 mil taller, which is effectively going to make the DRS a lot more powerful in DRS zones. Yeah. We'll forgive you not having exact measurements. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, all that up for debate, because if the the car ahead's got a bigger wing and it's punching a bigger hole in the air, then the DRS is going to have less effect because there's less air for it to make a difference to. But, you know... It's, it, we'll find out. We will find out. Yeah. We'll find out next season. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, quick vote on will it make a difference? Hands up for yes. I I, th- I think it will have an impact. I don't think it will be a, an overall solution, but I think it will have an impact and make a difference. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think it'll probably make us... I think it'll bring us back to last season's sort of levels. Yeah, la- I think we'll get last season's overtaking back that we're missing at the moment in a lot of circuits combined with this year's um, speed and you know lap times. So, like I say, yeah. I think it's a step in the right direction, but I think it's yeah. far from being a solution. Yeah, I, uh, I'm going to revise that. At, at worst, it'll bring us back to last season's levels. <laughs> at best, it'll bring us to sort of 2009 levels when they first read it. 2009, you say? Huh. Segway! Oh, oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, go on then. <laughs> go on, Chris, you can have the honours since how you spotted the segue's potential. Um, in, it's ruined in... it. The secret of a good segue is to don't you point don't out the segue. <laughs> Stop holding it up then. <laughs> in rare um, video game news from us, um, Codemasters have been sort of teasing details of the new uh, F1 game over the last month or so. Uh, and they announced today two new uh, classic cars that are going to be in the game. One of which is the 2009 Braun, which is, if you go back and look at like Codemasters Facebook and Twitter posts for the last few months, whatever they post, like 40% of the replies are just people asking for the Braun. Yep. So it's nice to see them actually listening to people and putting that car in, which I am very excited about. Um just for the sake of mentioning it, the other car they're putting in is the Williams BMW F25, which was the 2003 Williams that um, Montoya drove, yeah. which is, you know, kind of cool, but it's not as cool as the Braun, which is still probably my favourite looking yeah. F1 car of all time. If you are desperate to drive that car, you can go out and buy yourself a Wii and uh, play Formula 1 2009. And, um, yeah, motion you'll steering. Be able to play it on there with motion I, steering. I, Shocking. From 2009. It, Ten it years was, old, nearly. That it game. was a terrible, terrible thing, but I still enjoyed it just because I got to drive around in that car, even if it yeah, was absolutely. Me. <laughs> yeah. We might have to have a ask around, see how many of our listeners are also gamers and maybe have a, a race or two. Once oh, the yeah, game that'd be out. interesting. Yep. Yep. Uh, next thing. Oh, so, so, sorry, <laughs> sorry, Stu, Mr. Militant a, today. <laughs> we're, Move on. We're, we're, we're running out of time. We are really running out of time. No one's going to want to listen to much longer, so <laughs> um, Yeah, just a quick mention, I guess, the Belgian GP, Spa, has had its contract extended by three years, so we're going to get a 19, 20, and 21 race. I wish it had been a bit longer, but at least yeah. it's a classic circuit the- staying on the calendar. The interesting thing about this for me is that there has been, I've looked at like various news sources for this and there is zero mention of the monetary value of this deal, yes. which to me sounds an awful lot like Liberty have done Spa, because you know, Spa have been like struggling to pay the race fees for a number of years now and it sounds a lot to me like Liberty have done them a deal to keep the uh, race on the calendar, which I think will be 
comfort to places like Silverstone who are also struggling in that department a yeah. little bit. It's, it's like at least you've seen Liberty doing what is probably deemed the right thing and trying to keep circuits like that on board. Yeah, absolutely. And on the that is the definite good news part of that story for yep. sure. Um, yeah. And I guess speaking of um, tracks, so it's, th- it's time to return to Paul Ricard, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is effectively a brand new track for Formula One because we've never actually raced Paul Ricard in this layout. No, no. that is true. Slight changes, um, uh, and there are many layouts. <laughs> there um, are many, many layouts. To choose is from. it is it not over 150 possible combinations of that circuit? Something like that. Yeah, that's insane. It is insane. If you watch the, there's a onboard video on the F1 website from M when they did a tire test there. Um, and when you get halfway down the straight where the chicane is, there's literally just bits of track going in every direction. Like it's which yeah. one are they going to turn down? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's bizarre. It's a weird place. Um, so the last race at Paul Ricard, can you tell me when that was? 1990. Correct. Eight, uh, 28 years ago. Yep. That's not right. Yeah, it, yeah, is. it is. Goodness, 28 years ago. <laughs> sad, isn't it? Um, God, we're old. Uh, yeah, 28 years ago. Uh, do you know who it was won by? Alan Prost. I, I incorrectly said Nigel Mansell last week. And yeah, no, I apologise for that. Pole. It was Alan Prost Nigel who Mansell's won the last, pole. I want to say, last three before Nigel Mansell won one a few years before that in the late 80s. Can you tell me who was second and third? Who made up the podium? Can't tell you that. I'm going to say PK and Senna. Senna was third, PK was fourth. Oh! um, Close. Berger? No, I'll put you out your misery. Lacey. No, you're not going to get it. It was Ivan Capelli. Well, oh, of course. For, for in in the Adrian Newey designed Leighton House Judd, which would yes. eventually evolve into the all dominating Williams of uh, what was it, Nigel Mansell's year? Was yeah, interesting. Ninety three. I love how you I love how you tell us to rattle on Stu and then take us down memory lane. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. That, no, it was just a short diversion through memory lane, and now we're back on the main track. Back um, on. Quick chicane through memory lane. Yeah, Ooh, that's memory nice. chicane, if you like. That's memory <laughs> chicane. Um, it's going to be worse. Going to be right. tough one to predict this. Yeah, it's going to be a tough one to predict. We've got a lot of long straights, um, a lot of fast corners, a lot of fast corners, mm-hmm. um, couple of medium speed corners as well. So on turn paper, one and two. A Mercedes circuit? Well, well, pay- well it's really going to depend against... on what those engine updates are like that we should be seeing this yeah. weekend. And that is what makes it even more difficult because if they'd had those in Canada and we'd been able to get a feel for where they sat against everyone else's upgrades, it would be maybe a little bit easier to predict this. So this is um, probably the hardest one we'll do all season. Shall, shall I take us into predictions? Shall we do this? Yeah, yeah Take us on. down Prediction Street. So, fast in Q3. Um, Tom, you can go first. Oh, um, mm, <laughs> it's so hard. Uh, Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> this punt uh, almighty. It's so it is so hard at the minute. It is. Ah, uh, uh, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say Vettel. I think I'm going to agree with you on that. This is going to come back to biters in the bottom. Yeah. For sure. um, who's your winner, Stu? My winner, uh, I think, actually, I'm going to say, I am going to say Hamilton for the win this time. I Interesting. Think back. I think it I will think... be, it'll be a Mercedes win, I think. I think I'm going to go Vettel again. I'm, I'm going to say the new Mercedes engine is not going to do what they want it to. Um, how about you, Tom? Mm, total curveball, Bottas. Do you know what? I nearly said Bottas as well. He's not I nearly said Bottas season. as well. Oh, goodness. I'm just trying to First... think about where Bottas's wins have been as well. He had one in Russia yeah. and one in Abu Dhabi. He should, should have had one. He should have won in Baku, but he got a puncture, didn't he? Yeah. Um, First DNF. Um, it is. <laughs> Given that the first DNF in Canada was Lance Stroll, I'm going to say in France it's going to be Grosjean. Cool. Home home race retirements. Home race, yeah. His head, he's not got the strongest head, has he? At the moment? <laughs> uh, Tom? 
Interesting logic. Um, <laughs> I haven't got much to agree. go on. Yeah, you don't agree then. <laughs> no, I'm just... Um, <laughs> I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a tough call this week. Oof. Never have the listeners had more of an advantage over us. <laughs> yeah, oh, goodness. Well, yeah, they're going to get to see FP1, 2 and 3. Yep. There is a default for first DNF, obviously. I don't know. I really don't know. Uh, I want someone Hulkenberg. I want someone mid. Hulkenberg. I want. I want someone that will be up in there, and it might not even be his fault. He's going to get hit. Some something's happening in turn one, so someone okay. round the middle of the pack is going to end in tears. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go default and say Ericsson. Ericsson. I will say now my second choice for first DNF was Alonso, just coming crashing back down to earth after his. Uh, yeah. He's his yeah. fun that's, this past week. That's usually my route. I picked the person that had the best race last week, and I've yeah. just realised I have done it again. The best of the rest. I keep picking yeah, actually, that person. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number of finishers, Tom. Um, there's not much to hit other than each other. No one's gonna. I don't think anyone's gonna hit a wall because nope. there are acres of runoff yeah. and. Car parks, it, yeah, it's all runoff. It's not gravel, so it's not like anyone's going to get stuck if they go off. So I'm going to say a f- fairly decent 17 finishers. 17 for Tom. Stu? I'm going to say 18. I'm going to go mm-hmm. one. I nearly did. I had 18 in mind as well. I think I want to go 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and finally, a random driver this week. A random driver is going Please to be, be Lance Stroll. Oh, oh no! I knew it was going to be a Williams. Oh, that's, Goodness, that's <laughs> I was just horrible. Saying, Please don't be a Williams. It's horrible. Ah, oh, uh, upgraded Mercedes engine. Terrible aero. But did all right in Baku. Did terrible at Canada. Canada. Yeah, and this is probably more Canada. It's than more of Baku. a Canada than a this Baku. This is more yeah. of a Canada. I think. Uh, if, uh, Permission to go first? Yeah, go on. Yeah, I think it is your turn. I'm going to go... Oh, <laughs> say permission to go first, don't even have an answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance Stroll, two, two retirements, will he finish? I think he will finish. So if I've got two finishers, yeah, two retirements, I'm going to say... 16th. That's exactly what I was going to say as well. He's going to finish, but not be anywhere particularly yeah. interesting. Like two laps down in 16. Uh, Tom? Um, I don't expect him to finish very far from the back, so oh, just to be different, I'm going to say 17th and go for last on the road. Nice. Cool. Um, so that's everything we have, uh, but as always, you guys can get involved as well. Uh, just go to backofthegrid.com where you can Sign up if you haven't already and enter your predictions. There is a prize every single week for anyone who can get a clean sweep. And we've had quite a few people get very close this season already. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, a prize at the end of the season for our champion. Uh, so please get involved. Yep. Oh, um, just a, a quick shout out to Nick Hamilton, who had oh, yeah. a, a lovely dinner at a work night the other night with my girlfriend, Sarah. So <laughs> hi, hi, Nick, if you're listening. <laughs> Um, <laughs> and that's my plug for the day uh, you can submit your predictions at backofthegrid.com I've done um, that bit you've already done that bit <laughs> and I was desperate to get it in oh yeah that was the thing I was going to say um, Nick if you are listening I've got a lovely sticker from your car and if it's okay with you I'm going to offer it to the winner of uh, this week's prediction league so whoever wins yeah. whoever gets the most points what if it's week, a tie uh, I'll, photo- I'll photocopy the sticker. <laughs> you, can <laughs> you can fight over who gets the authentic one and who yeah. gets the photocopy. Um, well, no, if it, there won't be a tie because whoever makes their predictions first ah, is that how we're we'll going to work it? I like that's it. how it's set. Okay. So um, make sure you get your predictions in nice and early um, because you might be the proud over of a uh, Nick Hamilton Renault Clio Cup sticker. Interesting. Uh, which would be awesome. So yeah, um, so I hope you don't hate me for for offering that sticker you gave so kindly. Hey, I mean it's your sticker; you can do what you want with it. <laughs> it is my sticker, but it is my sticker now. It's not like we're selling it; that'd be worse. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's it for me. <laughs> uh, if you take us home, Tom. <laughs>
If you'd like to find us on Twitter, then you can do that at Back of the Grid F1. If you'd like to find us on Facebook, you can just search for Back of the Grid. And we are on Instagram as well, at Back of the Grid. Uh, as has been mentioned, you can get in touch with us through the website at backofthegrid.com. And if you'd like to find any of us individually, uh, I am TomKing89, Chris is TNM Chris, and Stu is Stu underscore PX. Um, Stu may or may not accept bribes for prediction advice, seeing as he's so high <laughs> up the leaderboard. And he's giving away a sticker, and it's all important this week. I could do with some. <laughs> On that note, I'm, I'm incorruptible. I'm incorruptible. <laughs> the only way you're going to get this sticker is by entering your predictions. <laughs> On that note, we will end this week's episode and look ahead to the French Grand Prix and hope you join us again afterwards to review it all. So goodbye. Bye. Cheerio. This podcast is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or BritpodScene on Twitter to find out more.